Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Fish Across the Pond, Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. This is part five of spring training and I am delighted to be joined by Lee Dobbs. Lee, how are you? I'm as good as always. Good man, good man. And as well, we've got Dan the man, Dan Healy. How are you? I'm very well, Pete. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good as well, thanks. It's been... It's been a little time since we last spoke, though, guys, but in all honesty, a lot has happened, um, both in terms of Marlins baseball and and this podcast as well. We've had we've had a lot of fun guests on since we last spoke, so mm. all all is good, mate. All is good. I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying yeah. it for sure. Um, yeah. those, those podcasts, all of them that since we last spoke were all absolute fire, mate. I absolutely really, really enjoyed every single one of them done really well. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it, boys. It was there was a lot of fun recording it, as you guess. There was a lot of anxiety that week in the lead up to those <laughs> those podcasts. Like, um, yeah, in, in you know, it was uh, they were scheduled. I had at least a day to dwell on them, and uh, yeah, I was sitting around just sweating basically. So, <laughs> all's good, but. Yeah, it was, it's, it's been a lot of fun and um, yeah, I really appreciate the support from, from the guys who, who've taken their time to join join me and, and, and talk Marlins baseball and you know, hope you guys are all, you know, hope you're enjoying it and you know, we've got, we've got a few more plans so you know, stay tuned, there's a few more, few more things in the pipeline, it's going to be exciting but guys, we, last time we spoke it was a hype podcast Super hype. It ended up overhyped, I think, actually. And, and, and Craig Mish maybe <laughs> brought me back down to earth, if I remember right. I was talking about 80, 80 wins, and um, yeah, he, he nearly ended the broadcast at that point, which was fun. It was fun. But we, we're now, you know, right smack bang in the middle of spring training. And for me, there's there's no reason why the hype train needs to stop. It's It's been a fun, fun spring so far. Lee, you've covered and followed the team for a lot longer than than me and Dan. The main question to ask really is, is this the most competitive camp ever for the Marlins? It's got to be up there, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I say it is up there. I'd say that, you know, in terms of, you know, just depth and, you know, the whole team, it's probably one of the strongest camps I think, I think, you know, I've ever seen. I say the minds aren't normally known for their, you know, you know, you know, you know, like top top prospects when when it comes to these sort of things. You know, we've always had a bad bad far farm recently, so mm. so for this year, definitely in the last what seven eight eight years, this this is definitely the strongest camp camp that, that we've had. You know, there's, there has been some some fight full up positions as well now, yeah, you know, which mm. we, we didn't always expect at the start. I mean, you have got Brinson who's playing playing well now. Again, I mean, we saw this last year, though, so it's, you know, it's hard, it's, you know, hard, hard to get too excited. But you know, we we hope it, we hope it is a, a turning point point for him. But yeah, as I say, the, the whole camp is strong. You know, you know the, the pitcher has been, uh, you know, you, you, you know, has done done well on the whole. So yeah, I, I think it, I think it has been been a strong camp, and, and hopefully, you know, you know, we've stayed that way for the next what what we two two three weeks. Yeah, well, that's it. If if things start on time, um, we may just yes. we may just have spring training for you know until July. I don't know. Um, we'll have to see how that, that plays out. It's 
Yeah, I'm, we're getting a little bit concerned. And and, and Dan, you, your flights are booked. You're there. You're there for opening day. I'm sweating. Um, I'm sweating, mate. Sweating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go, mate. This is a sweaty podcast. This is. Yes. Oh well. I mean, the only saving grace is um, I, we've had uh, obviously I'm there for for a couple of Marlins games and a couple of, of uh, Miami Heat games, and mm. with the outbreak and it is becoming a bit of a concern. We've had on the only sort of shining that I've got is from the from the Heat point of view. We've had um, LeBron James, who's probably the biggest star in in basketball, come out and say, "If those fans are coming out to watch, yeah. then I'm not going to play." So that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> that that helps. That helps me. And then you've got uh, you've got President Trump, who's basically just saying, "Look, this is no worse than the flu, so get over it. I don't. I'm not concerned." So. <laughs> so, so we've got the president, <laughs> presidents that are not bothered about it, and the biggest star uh, probably ever in um, in uh, basketball history saying, uh, "If there's no fans, then I'm not playing." So uh, I'm I'm hoping that will uh, swing my favour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's see how it plays out, mate. Fingers crossed yeah. for you. And and as well, I, I forgot to mention, guys, we've we've got a special a special guest for this episode that that I'll I'll hook into later and. Um, it's our good friend and, and, and one of the main supporters and advocates of our of our podcast, Glenn Gaffner. So Glenn's gonna take some time and and, and talk talk with me later. So the one thing for, on that one, Dan, he, he, you're going to be out there for opening day. The, the question I have, mate, is: Are, are you going to be on the radio broadcast with with Glenn and the guys? Is that is that possible? <laughs> well, uh, Glenn is a. Uh... As um, I've been chatting with Glenn, he's, he's really, really kind offered it what he's happened to sort out for me. So um, I'm the opening day is going to be a bit mad. So um, I'm hoping to maybe um, do do a bit of talking with uh, some of the other guys. I'm hoping to meet up maybe with Danny if he's got time, etc. But um, Glenn on on game two, obviously on the second day, uh, has mm-hmm. invited me down to, um, to to batting practice before the game, which would be brilliant. So I'll get Ooh. sort of a, a bit up close and personal. Um, so hopefully to get some, uh, some 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 great insight there, and then he's invited me up to the booth um, for an innings. Um, not sure what that's going to entail, whether it's just to see how things work and how their working day goes, or whether he's going to have a quick chat with me on broadcast, uh, which oh, will have okay. me again. It will have me sweating. So I'm sort of I'm sort of hoping it's just uh, just stay in the background and just see how we work, and I'll be more than happy with that. But who knows? But no, whatever it is. Um, I'm just really, really grateful for that opportunity and um, to, to get some insight into uh, into the Marlins and things that maybe not the every fan would be able to get to do. So, really, really good of Glenn uh, to sort that out for me. Oh, mate, I hope he, I hope he's got the oh, headset. Oh, don't. <laughs> I hope sounds he has. Great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds That'd awesome. Great. Whatever happens, it'll be a fantastic experience if it goes yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Apart from apart from the coronavirus, but. Um, Right, we we may also now have have Rob Newell on the line as well. Rob, are you are you there? It looks like you're. Are, are we recording? We're recording, mate. We're live, <laughs> live in the air. I've got nine thirty, and it's it's not there. I was surprised when I switched Skype on. <laughs> oh mate, this is this is excellent. We're we're live and on the air, mate. We're rolling. We're, right. we're talking intros. Okay. So gather gather your thoughts for a minute. We will uh, we'll come back to you shortly. Um, Dan the man, just just in terms of what you've seen early doors in, in in spring training, and obviously we don't get to watch every game live. But who's who's impressed you most so far? If you can pick anyone out, and there's a ton of guys that that have done. You know, I've said it said it alight really early doors. So try your best to pick one or two. Oh. But 
it yeah. is quite tough. It is tough because I actually think um, I'm not really sure there's been a standout for. I think there's just been. I think everyone's doing well. I'm not really sure there's been many that are, are struggling. Really, I think that it's been a collective effort. I think that everybody that's gone out there has impressed. I think that. Um, you know, when you look, we spoke quickly off air just before we come on. Like when you look at the difference between this season and what's happened before, is the, the competition for places. And we spoke about it last last time we was on. It's it's not like anything else that we've seen. Well, certainly not in in the relatively short time I've been following the Marlins. So, I think that um, when you look at when you take the roster as it is and how it's going to probably. Um, fill out in terms of the bench positions. If you look at, you're always going to have a catcher. You're going to probably have, I would say, um, John Bertie's probably going to be a cert. But then when you look at who the others are going to be, like, like you're trying to turn three uh, of the rest of the bench players out of, you know, a, five, a list of five players that includes, you know, Ramirez, Kemp, Brinson, Cooper, and some of them have got to drop out, and you think that 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 I think that that's brilliant. I think that's something that we've really lacked so far. Um, mm. I don't really know who I think there's been a stand-up performer. I think that everyone. I think um, Aguilar's been good. I think VR's been very good. Um, mm. Well pronounced as uh, well. Yes, well thank you. Yes, I've been, uh, well yeah, I've been uh, I've been practicing, mate. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm not I'm not sure in terms of the uh, who's been the standouts. I'm hand on heart. I can say that at the moment, I think it's been a very good collective effort. Mm, nice, Rob Newell. Rob, welcome to the show, mate. Great to great to talk again. Talk to me about the pitchers. Who's who's been impressing you on the pitcher front, mate? Again, it's been there's been some some real standouts, particularly in the relievers. Some of those relievers are are, are really pitching well. Yeah. Um, so if we just go through the starting pitchers just at the moment, it was interesting that today uh, Alicia Hernandez had a really good four innings, five strikeouts, and we've had Yamamoto performing really, really well, um, which is causing a, uh, a little bit of um, intrigue now, what happens at the bottom of that rotation. Because mm-hmm. if we, we're thinking we have a locked-in Sandy, Caleb, um, uh uh, Lopez, Pablo, Pablo, Pablo don't yes. forget about him. So you're kind of then sort of thinking, right? Well, how do the rest of the positions really, really fill out? Is Jose Urania definitely in the number four? And then we've got a real scrap, Robert Duggar. You talk about someone else who's impressed has looked incredible, um, unhittable in in his uh, nine innings of work, uh, and. We've also seen sort of hungry pitchers. Uh, uh, Alex Viesa, if that's how you pronounce his name, has looked um, amazing. <laughs> Tommy Evel, touch, touchdown Tommy, looks incredible. Um, oh. You know, uh, uh, Boxberger has had a, has been you know, given away a couple of runs here and there, but it then brings into to play, is Boxberger actually going to be someone who we're going to rely on saves later on in the season? Is it going to be just Kinsler on his own? Or, you know, we, we've got such an interest, interesting bullpen makeup that will be both at the Marlins and over in Wichita. And I really don't remember in my Marlins supporting life ever having that kind of interesting strength in both the, the starting rotation and the bullpen. Um, but I, th- I think at the moment, uh, my top people must be Robert Duggar, 
and mm. uh, uh, and Alex Viesa, I think, are the ones who who've uh, in, uh, intrigued me so far. Yeah, I, I tell you what, mate, as well, and this sums it up really. I, I mean, when we look back at the bullpens from the 2019 <laughs> version to this one as we go in, it it is completely new. There's only Adam Conley left, and um, you know there's still decisions to be made on Conley, but I, you know, let's assume he's going to stick in it. Um, going into the in the start of the season, but wow, the name so the names you've mentioned, I, I agree with. But you then add into that, you've got Sterling Sharp, who's been very impressive, and Yimmy Garcia also has been really, really impressive. I, I'm not even sure he's given up a hit yet. Um, in what five, six appearances, Boxberger looks like you know looks like he's going to make the team. I think I. I'd be very, very surprised right now if Boxberger didn't make it. And so if, if that's the case, then who do you think your closer is going to be? Do you think it's going to be Yimmy Garcia? Do you think it's going to be Boxberger or, or Kinsler? Well, the other one as well, just to just to add a, another name in there, it's, it's a great question and one I, I think I put out on Twitter last week because it was it was bothering me. I was thinking, okay, Kinsler's been brought in, but Boxberger's got experience there. He did it well. He was an all-star, what, two seasons ago? Um, so he's he's got experience. I also still like the idea of Stanek doing it as well. But I know it didn't quite go to plan. And I know, really, Donny likes to have the guy or a one guy. So, you know, we're all assuming Kinsler. But, yeah, I, it could be for me. It could be Boxberger if he makes the team. And I think he will. It still could be Stanek because I really, you know, I really like him as a pitcher. And then, yeah, there's other guys vying for that. Back in the day, you know, last year we're talking about Steckenrider being, you know, potential closer as well. I mean, okay, that might seem a bit of a stretch right now, but Steck's back anyway, at least. So, yeah, guys, what, what about you, Lee? What, what, what's your thoughts on that one? Close, I mean, closer's always a, a specialist sub- subject of yours, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just think. I mean, it will be tough to decide. I mean, I mean, I mean, we we could just have a just have a close or a buy, like you know, like a situation depending who it be. You know, may may not have a set one where they each get you know, like you know, like end up with end up with about 10, 10 saves each or something like 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 that during during the year. I'd think saying it's going to be so tough to decide, but I mean, it should give us a really strong. Strong back end, you know, for the pen. If we can go like Stanek, Garcia, Kinsler, Boxberger, you know, to pitch the six, seven, eight, eight, and nine. I mean, I mean that that would be strong. You know, when you when you compared to last year, when it was Chen's and Chen Conley, you know, you know coming in. So, you know, I mean, you know, it's a good question to you know, you know, like to have. I mean, I suppose you could say, you know. If you don't have one, you know, one closer, closer, how close? How many do do we have? It's like, you know, it's good to have. Agreed. I mean, the main question is how many save opportunities will there be? Because we're we're yeah, going to be blowing well. teams out anyway. Yeah. You know, we won't. We don't need a closer because we're already ten nil up. So <laughs> should be okay. Should be okay. What about you, Dan? It's an interesting topic. This one, and the reality is, it's such a volatile spot. Even if we go into it with Kinsler, you know, uh, anything can change. In a month, Kinsler could just be back into the, you know, mid mid your mid innings guy. But what's your thoughts, mate? 
Well, I, I just can't believe we're we're talking about the Marlins with a with a good strong in depth bullpen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's something to be celebrated in itself. I think that. Yeah, as Lee just said there, you know, the, the names that were that we used to have to call upon, you know, just it's not, it's not going to do you anything, is it? And now we've got several options. So whoever it may be, um, you know, I, I I would still say, I mean, Botsberger, is, as Rob was saying, I think it's been um, a bit of a surprise, really. I think he's been excellent. Um, mm. I would still probably say if I had to put money on it, I probably still would go with Kinsler. But um, no, I mean, as, as we just said, it doesn't. I'm I'm happy with with whoever it may be because we've got that that depth, whoever it is, to give us you know some some good innings there, some good opportunities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We need to dive into this guy. We have to. You've already touched upon him earlier, but it's Mr. March. He is. He has been Mr. March for the past two years. I I'm still so high on the. I'm. I still want it to happen for him. Rob Newell is is Brinson gonna be starting in the outfield? I think he may be on the bench, and it's uh, it, it it it's the major question beyond the starting rotation on who is starting in that outfield. If you consider the the sort of latish signings they they had coming through with with Matt Joyce, uh, you know, there's Matt Kemp there, um, it, and you've got Dickerson, uh, you've got potential Harold Ramirez, John Bertie can play out there. Um, it's it's a little bit of a, a, a well, Garrett Cooper was the other one just in my mind as well. You've got a lot of players trying to squeeze into quite a few spots, and especially that kind of centre field issue. And Brinson can, in theory, play, I suppose, left and right. Brinson's performance in this spring training, I think, has been more impressive than the other spring trainings where he's been hot for a, a period of time and fallen away. He does look a far, far better player. I wouldn't. I know he's got an option left to go down into uh, AAA, but I wouldn't do that. What I would do instead is say goodbye to Matt Kemp and not have him there, but keep Brinson in the 26 um, and have him off the bench. So I don't, whether he's going to be there on, uh, on opening day, I don't know. I, I think you're probably going to see opening day, what do we think, sort of Dickerson maybe in the centre, uh, Joyce on the left, and probably, I think, Garrett Cooper on the right. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I think Brinson gets his final shot at this. I, I I like what you said, mate. It's a different it's a different version of a good Brinson in March, where historically he's he's hit well. It's been home runs, and so that's very splashy and looks splashy when you look at the stats. But for me, I've gone and I've looked at the strikeout totals. So I've sorted players by strikeout total, and 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 Lewis. In what twenty five, twenty six at bats, two strikeouts. So that's that's the difference. His approach is different. He he has to if he carries this on the next couple of weeks. He has to start. He has to be there. Otherwise, you know, what hope is there for him really? And you need to capitalize on that. I think right now. That's what I'm expecting anyway. I think the Marlins want it to work. Brinson wants it to work. 
Everyone wants it to work, so I hope we play in. Can we just add one comparison and uh, just to, to follow up on what, what you said? If we take last year's spring training, Brinson had 54 outbats and had 15 hits, 18 strikeouts, mm-hmm. uh, an on base percentage of 304. And I know we're not all the way through spring training and many things can change, but he's had 25 at bats. He's already had 10 hits. So he's on on par at the moment to go, what, another 10 hits over um, from, uh, or another five hits, sorry, over from where he was before. Um, his on base percentage is higher. His OPS is higher. Um, he's hit three home runs already so far. Um, he hit five last year, but a lot of them were quite early on in the spring training weeks. It's it's it feels a, a different guy who's getting more hits. So he's he's comparison to spring training year on year. Although anyone listening to this can now say you're ridiculous. Spring training doesn't mean anything. Just wait till it gets to the regular season. I think there is a little bit of a pattern there, which is which is definitely true in regards to he's getting bat on ball more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Right. On the flip side, are there any players, Lee, that you're concerned about thus far? Is anyone, I mean, again, you can look at it in the same way and go, well, it's only spring training. It doesn't matter, but it's a competitive yeah. camp, so it matters. Um, is there anyone that you're slightly concerned about thus far? So on, the, on the hitting side, obviously there's, there's Diaz, you know, a second base who, I mean, we questioned, you know, last when he came up, obviously we sort of gave, gave him a pass on his sort of slow, what, what was he, three months or so he was there, two months. We sort of gave, gave him a pass on that and hoped that he would come into spring, you know, you know, and be on fire. But he's been a bit slow to get going. I don't know if he's noticed. Three for 26 so far. Eight, I mean, he has had five, five walks, though, which, which, you know, which, you know, which is good to see. Yeah. So that also might impact as well, actually, if Brinson plays as well, because... Diaz doesn't start a second. You assume that VR will not start in, start in centre, as you know, mm-hmm. he has been doing as well, or has been being been like you know questioned. So he would then start in second, you would assume, which then would free up another outfield spot. So Brinson, Brinson could end could end up playing you know in in centre as well again for the season. I mean, I, I think Brinson will start on, on open day now as it stands for me. I I, I would start him. Yeah, you've got Diaz on the pitching side. I mean, Sandy has been, what is he? He's got an 11 ERA, is it now yet? So, I mean, he's had a slow start. But you'd think out of all the pitchers, if anyone can afford to have a poor spring, probably is him because, you know, he's going to be he's he's guaranteed a slot, you know, probably as as, as, the opening day starter. So, I mean, he's been slow to get going, but I'm not too concerned with him so far. But yeah, for me, it's Diaz who's the one question. You know, you know, and do we start him? You know, in the major leagues or send him send him back down as well? But then, do we do we end up creating create another Brinson you know issue where he's up and down? You know, you know, confidence is gone. Mm. So yeah, it's a tough one to say. But so far, for me, he's been the the one negative. You know, so far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a slow start for for Isan, but you're right. The the walks are there. I I again want that to work. I I don't know if he's just looking for the power stroke a little bit too often. I don't know, but I mean the walks are there as well. So it says that 
you know, the pitchers know the power stroke is there as well, right? So you're, you're being yeah. pitched around. Um, someone, someone else I just wanted to mention, Lee, just while we're, we're talking about outfield as well, someone that's really impressed me actually is Monte Harrison. You know, the first game of spring comes out, you know, Monte gets a single. Next thing is he steals second base, then he steals third base. I'm like, whoa, here we go. You know, he's, he's shown a nice approach. He's stealing bags. He's showing speed. I mean, he's making a real push for this for this opening day roster. I think Monte Harrison. Yeah, so he's you know he you know, he has been been impressive. I was saying he's, he's stolen five you know five bases already. You know, he's, mm. he's he's had was he's need you know nearly batting five you know five hundred. So yeah, it's, I think he. I was saying it's gonna be so. I mean, these, these outfits it's so tough to say. There's yeah. so many of. Options really over the next two weeks, it should hopefully become a bit clearer. But yeah, if he carries on like he is, then you know there's no reason why he can't can't start. You know, you know, in the 26 as well. Yeah. Would you, uh, Dan? Would you be totally against this makeup opening day? Left field, Dickerson. Feel like that's inked in. Um, so Dickerson in at left, Monte Harrison at centre, Lewis Brinson at right field. <laughs> um, is that too I, much to ask I think that might be a bit too much to ask I mean I, I sort of agree with everything really that's just been said I I think that um, Brinson I do really want to see him get, get that one more chance so um, I, I think that if when you look at uh, he had a very strong spring training last year um, and it didn't happen for him uh, when the season started. Now he knew what he had to sort of address. He knew what the problems were, and he has been he's he's done very well this spring training. So I think that if he didn't make it, um, I think you start to think, well, you know, what else really could he have done? He, he, you you asked him to address the problems, and he did. So it might be a bit maybe a bit harsh to say, well, you're not part of the the team, and and to send him back down again. Um, so I'd like to see him get one more chance. Um, Monty Harrison's been great, yeah, really good. In fact, all of the um, all of the prospects I think have done really well. I don't mm. think anybody's let themselves down so far. So they've all been good, and they've done exactly what you'd want them to do. They've made them. They they put a problem uh, in front of the um, in front of the uh, Mattingly and his and his crew. So I think that you know. <sighs> I want to see. I, yeah, I want to see Brinson get another shout. I want to. I, I've got yeah a little bit of a concern with with uh, Diaz as we were just saying there because it didn't really happen for him last year at all and he's not really covered himself in glory so far uh, spring training. So uh, that's a little bit of a concern and it may be as you were just saying there could be a uh, uh, open up a spot maybe for Brinson if if we do have to see someone else uh, fall into second base. But um, yeah, all the all the. Um, all the prospects, I think, have done very well. And um, in terms of Alcantara, we was just saying there, I'm never really that concerned about the um, the, the opening pitchers um, not really lighting up spring training because you always sort of wonder how much do they really like exert themselves. You know, yeah. it, it, the thing is with with batters and people that are trying to put a point in, you know, that you you can steal bases, you can hustle, you can get hits, you can get walks. That's all, you know, pretty something you can maybe even. You know, you can command just in your own destiny. But with with things like pitching, as I say, if if they don't light up the scoreboard, if they don't light up their box scores, it's never really anything that really massively concerns me because you don't want to see them overzerting themselves too much. Yeah. Does the 
does the overall spring training record mean anything at all to you? Um, yes and no, because it's one of them that you want to see yourself doing well. You don't want to get, you don't want to go in in a bit of a shambles. You don't want to go in with nothing, you know, nothing really going for you. Problems here and there. So wins breed confidence. So it's nothing that you want to look too seriously into, obviously. Um, but you know, you want to go out and win games, whether that be spring training or regular thing. You want to see progression, and at the moment we've we've done brilliantly. So uh, yeah, I think it's something you don't want to just shy away from good performances. We've done well, and let's applaud them for it. Yeah, and, and the hallmark of some of these wins. This is this has been the really interesting part, and I think this is the point you were making really that all these prospects, no one's let themselves down, and they've all had um, some at bats. And what we've seen in, in the latter parts of many games in spring training thus far is uh, it's a, the Marlins trailing or it's a tied game. Next thing is you start to get the, the, the reserves, the replacements, however you want to phrase it. They come into the game seventh, eighth inning and, and you know, given a few at-bats. And the same happens with the other teams as well. And the pitching, next thing is the Marlins absolutely explode into, into action in the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. And what that says to me is our replacements are far superior to the other team's replacements at the moment, which comes back to the farm. I, I think the farm is underranked. It's underranked at the moment. I don't, you know, it depends on what site you look at and, you know, who's, whose opinion you take. But, you know, it, it's a consensus, I guess, top 10. But for me, it feels a little bit undervalued, probably because it's the Marlins. In, in many ways. So I'm so excited. Mate, there's been some players that have absolutely popped, exploded out of the screen and guys that you, you know, we weren't even really thinking about. And I, I'm not talking about jazz Chisholm because he has, he looks an absolute star. He's a superstar now already, I think, but you've got like J Ryan Encarnacion, who's <laughs> just hit bombs. <laughs> Luis Diaz to me looks like he could start in the f- at first base immediately. You could start now. You could you could literally put Luis Diaz in there and he he'd he'd be fine. He looked he looks awesome. Jazz Chisholm, he is a superstar already, no doubt. Um, you know, and and like I said, in Canacion, you've got these guys that are like you know down uh, in terms of ranking numbers anyway. They're they're down near the bottom, but they look better than the top prospects of the other teams. So. So exciting, mate. So exciting to, to see. Pitching the same as well. Like, there's guys coming out just pitching incredibly. You know, guys that you don't haven't even heard of, some of them. But you look, oh, bloody hell, this guy's good. So, oh, a lot of, a lot to be excited about. Rob, Rob Newell, talk to me about Alfaro, though. I just want to touch on him. He's struggling with a niggly injury, like a, an oblique or something. For a power guy, how concerned are you for Alfaro going into the into the start of the season? Do you think it could be more serious than, than maybe even appears? So on the basis that we're unlikely to win the World Series this year, um, I think... Scandalous. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Scandalous. <laughs> he says, yeah, cut, his mic, cut his mic quick. I know. Uh, he turns up state. and now makes, <laughs> makes comments like that. I know. Um, but no, the, um, just let him rest. And we've got Francisco Savelli, who, you know, he's one of my favourite catchers even before he came to the Marlins. You know, very experienced guy. 
um, you know, a, an upgrade over Brian Holiday, even though Savelli is struggling a little bit with his bats in spring training. But you've got someone who will um, be fantastic uh, with those young arms. And Chad Wallach is really hitting well. He's raking in spring training. And Wallach, seen. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting guy, Wallach, because actually he wasn't doing too bad before he got injured last year. And everybody's kind of written him off because he was Tim Wallach's son. So, and he was one of the coaches. And um, But, you know, is he suddenly turning into a, a bit of a, a power hitter? Uh, do, you know, are we actually talking about that we have enough strength in catcher at the moment with our, our three supposed catchers? Uh, and we've got Ryan Levan, where he's also doing uh, well in spring training as well. So do we have enough strength just to say to Alfaro, let it get properly healed? Because for one thing, you don't want an injured Alfaro not being able to do what Alfaro does, and that's hit for power and hit for length in a smaller Marlins park where he could be really damaging. So if they want to let him rest and give him a bit more time, let that happen. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Wallach is, wow, he's the RBI machine. You're right, mate. And home run machine. I mean, he's every every type of machine. So <laughs> impressive. Lee, uh, another player I wanted just to touch upon before, before we have to wrap things up here. Um, Jonathan VR. And that is the the way it's pronounced by all accounts. But um, Jonathan VR, is he everything? Is he as advertised? Yeah, I think for me, yeah, you know, he, he can hit hit the power as we've seen. And like I say, it's his speed. I think which is going to be be most crucial for us, yeah, especially you know, if he hits hits up you know in the lead off spot or so. So mm-hmm. I think his speed is is going to is going to be you know, real, very important, which we've seen glimpses of already. Was he had two, three, three stolen bases already? Yeah, yeah. yeah for me, he's you know, he's yeah, you know, he's a lot, you know, yeah, you know, for the team. So, yeah, yeah, he's definitely you know, you know, you know, you know, come, come as promised. I like, I like something I saw some stats about VR, and again, it's one of those things you you don't look deeply into this unless he's on your team. But then now he's a Marlin, and I'm excited to have him. What I've realised is he's the slowest fast guy there is. <laughs> like his, he's actually not that fast, but his ability, his stolen base ability, and the way he reads yeah. pictures and creates opportunity. It's right then, guys. It's um, a couple more minutes before we need to round off. I, I, just a few other players, just to just to really briefly touch upon Jesus Aguilar. Dan, I don't know if you saw some of the... Well, I, I've seen some bits with Jesus, and the dude looks a lot of fun. He looks a lot of fun in the clubhouse. He seems to be big pals with with, with now our pal, Miggy Rowe. Those guys go back uh, a long way. Um, I, I'm liking I'm liking the vibe in, in, in the clubhouse. And actually, sorry, just, just one other player. We do need to... Just talking about vibes. Your man, your man touchdown Tommy... Uh, Rob, uh, <laughs> there was there was a, there's seemingly a lot of fun knocking around with him. M- M- Miggy Rowe turns up wearing his clothes, so Miggy's in <laughs> full head to toe touchdown Tommy gear. Um, Tommy's there just pumping iron, um, and uh, looks up and Miggy Rowe's in the full cowboy outfit, which uh, yeah was was a real highlight. I, I liked it. 
I don't know if you if, if you caught this or not, but I, I don't think when we were going through the uh, the teammate section, I don't know if there was a quicker answer that Miggy gave in terms of any of the, any of the questions in terms of the worst dresser. He was on it immediately with touchdown Tommy <laughs> without without any hesitation. So did did you see that, Rob? I don't know if you did, mate. Yeah, I yeah. did, and it, yeah. it was really, really brilliant. And uh, the, everybody listened to the to uh, uh, the podcast that you recorded with Miggy um, uh, Rojas because that was that was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I, I did see the clip uh, with him wearing um, touchdown Tommy's gear. It was interesting. Uh, Carl Sealar on the Miami Marlins podcast interviewed Tommy Eveld, and that was all Tommy's clothes. He came in wearing all of his clothes. And uh, it shows what a great, you know, what a great sort of team they have in there. They can all have a laugh with each other. And and touchdown, Tommy, actually, that, that interview that uh, Carl Seeloff did with him is really, really interesting and worth a listen because uh, touchdown, Tommy, um, you know, really just fell into baseball from um, playing American football. It's really, really interesting interview and well worth worth listening to so uh i um he's my favorite player in in the minor leagues at the moment i hope and i i think he's a future closer for the marlins as well but um and watch for his uh, save celebration the the touchdown it's it's awesome love it i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna take it on 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 my shoulders and try and get him on the podcast mate i think i think he'd be a lot of fun to to get on and, and talk to he he looks at he looks a fun character i'm pretty sure i saw his mum tweeting as well kind of backing him up uh, when when Miggy Rowe was 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 taking the piss, so yeah, seems seems a seems a fun guy. Um, but sorry, coming coming back to you, Dan, just to round it up, you know the clubhouse vibe looks, you know, on point. Some of the the veteran guys in there, there's a lot of fun um, going on. But there's a youthful exuberance knocking around as well, isn't there? Like Jazz Chisholm's as well become a media darling. You know, it looks a fun place to play baseball. It's competitive. You know, it's things are looking up for the Marlins, right? Well, yeah, this is it. It's just it's another step when you look at what they came into and what they ripped apart. And now, you know, you look at it now. It, it, it's it's difficult to some people might say it's quite f- weird to come off of a, a 105 loss season and you're all here being really positive. But you can you can see what's happening. It's an, it's another it's another step to a process. The farm is in great system. The rebrand is on absolutely on point the park is looking better than it's ever done the uh the clubhouse as you just said there everyone's on the same vibe there's we've got a nice mix now of of youthful uh presence and obviously some experience and some vets we've added some pop and some fun people like Aguilar you just mentioned there you know that's exactly what we needed we our problem was we don't have enough runs and this guy had some thump he had some pop to it so I just think that you know, it, when we're trying not to get carried away because we often do on this podcast. But you look at <laughs> you look at the, the 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 process that we're going through, and I can't see us being in a much better position for year three at the moment. I think it's all going very well, so it's nothing but positivity from my point of view to look forward. Of course, Lee Dobbs, final word, mate. Is the rebuild on schedule or ahead? Oh, slightly ahead, I'd say, for me. Ooh. I think we're about, yeah, about 16% sort of, sort of where 
I think they, 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 this year they're saying if we can push towards 500, I think he's going to be the aim now, which you would think maybe that, that might be a bit... But I think we all said 2021, didn't we, as the year that we thought we might be able to challenge most. But I think this year we could still surprise a few you know, and get and get to 500. So, yeah, for me, I think we are slightly ahead of where people maybe thought thought, thought like you know, you know, we, we were. So, yeah, you know, you know, all good for me. Positive mm. vibes. Yeah. The farm's better than it was expected to be as well. I mean, we've obviously added to it last year with uh, with some trades and, and stuff. So, Rob, from you, mate, similar vibes ahead of schedule. Let, don't 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 give us away your 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 projections yet. We'll have a projection pod in the next couple of weeks, and I know I know you'll 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 have some helium numbers attached to your predictions. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, uh, I it, it's um, from our discussions early in this podcast that we've got so much competition for places and such good performances from the young players. That shows where it's bright. And there'll be times this season where there'll be some really sort of terrible moments where things aren't going well because we're in a very, very strong division. But there'll be times where we really will surprise. And I think overall, you know, that that's where we are. Just, you know, enjoy it because this is going to be a more fun season where we are truly, truly competitive. Um, maybe that's not going to translate to all the wins we want, but we will be truly competitive and that you will be able to suddenly these younger players, these Lewin Diaz's, the Jazz Chisholms will slowly start to come through and infiltrate into the team. The more experienced players will go, and then you've got a, a real set core, strong rotation. That's what happened to the Atlanta Braves. Um, so, you know, they, they, they really complemented that young core coming through with experienced players, and that's exactly what Jeter is trying to achieve. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's looking good. Also, just um, on a side point with spring training, um, mm -hmm. um, Everyone, if you can, try and listen to Marlins radio when the games are on, especially if it's not being televised, because uh, Glenn Gaffner and Dave Van Horn are amazing commentators. They really are, and you learn so much from them. Uh, I think Dave Van Horn, I can't remember how many years he's been commentating now, but it's well over 50 years, uh, uh, straight seasons. Uh, and obviously, we've, we've interviewed uh, Glenn before, and, and he's fantastic background, all the years he's been doing it, both Marlins Red Sox. Um, it, you learn so so much. Uh, I also, if the game's televised, I tend to have their commentary on with with you know with the the, the pictures, on, especially at the moment where you know there aren't the Marlins commentators about where uh, you know Todd Hollingsworth and Severino aren't about. Um, also, uh, Carl Seelaff and JPR and Sevier are, are brilliant as well. So when they're not on, uh, listen to them. You know, really good anecdotes, really good stories. So I recommend everybody uh, to listen to them. And if I may just take a few more minutes, because one um, relief picture we hey. haven't talked about is uh, Pan, uh, Pat, Pan, Pat Venditti, um, <laughs> who is the switch pitcher. Mm. Really interesting guy. And talking about interesting things, I've learned a lot of about him from Glenn Gaffner's commentary. Also from Tommy Ebeld, um, um, who put some pictures up on, on Twitter. Um, Tommy Ebeld, one of the things I learned from his interview with Carl Seeloff is that he can actually take gloves apart and repair them again. And he did this with Pat Venditti's because it's six fingers. And he's not, not, not from uh, a, uh, a rural backwater, so has six fingers through uh, um, breeding, but actually needs <laughs> this. So he can switch his hand in the glove so the thumb can be one side or the other, depending what hand he's using. So he has a bespoke glove for this. 
The other interesting thing about Pat Benzitti is that because he can switch from either side, that causes a problem, especially if you have an instant where you have a switch pitcher and a switch hitter, because you could have this infinite thing where <laughs> goes from left to right and the hitter goes from left and right and they keep going round and round and round. So there's a thing called the Pat Benzitti rule. It's a proper law all based on this guy. And what it says is about um, uh, these ambidextrous pitches. It says, a pitcher must indicate visually to the umpire in chief, the batter and any runners, the hands he intends to pitch, which may be done by wearing his glove on the other hand by touching the pitcher's plate. The pitcher is not permitted to pitch with the other hand until a batter is retired and the batter becomes uh, or the batter becomes a runner, the inning ends, or the batter is substitute for a pinch hitter if an injury occurs. Um, so in the event switch, that a pitch... he, can't, he can't do like throw two two balls right handed and then go right, I'm gonna switch it up now and throw throw some left handed pitches to the same batter, right? Precisely. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's it's fascinating um, because otherwise, you, you, as you say, uh, it, it uh, could cause uh, a lot of confusion out there. Um, but well, this you is a guy. You just start spinning around and then just see what Andy comes out of. <laughs> yeah. um, I I think I, I hope he remains with the Marlins. I'd imagine with Wichita, but it could become a very very interesting option, especially with this three batter rule, uh, uh, and especially where teams are mixing up between left and rights. You've got someone who can adjust to every batter, uh, you know. So it's uh, yeah, it's really really interesting. Um, uh, see see how he gets on. Yeah, agreed. Well, Rob, that was a perfect segue in some ways. We we have Glenn Gaffner waiting in the wings to uh, to talk shortly. So um, for us uh, for us now that that that's the end of uh, of this podcast. We've got a. You know, 15, 20 minutes lined up with Glenn. So looking forward to hearing from him and, and, uh, and he can deliver. As you said, he's, uh, he's a, a huge advocate of this podcast, uh, which, is, which is much appreciated. So, But boys, great to talk. Uh, we will speak again next week. And by that point, it will be really heating up, I think. We'll be in, in the final strokes of, of, of spring training, so to speak. So, yeah, a lot... A, a lot uh, Still to to become clear, let's say, in terms of the Marlins for, for 2020. But Lee, Dan, Rob, thanks so much, guys. And uh, we will speak again very soon. Hey guys, now joining me now, the voice, the voice of Marlins Radio, Glenn Geffner. Glenn, how are you? I'm doing great, Peter. It's great to be with you again. Uh, as I told you back in July, you, Dan, and Lee and Rob don't have any bigger fan over here than me. So it's a lot of fun to talk Marlins baseball with you anytime we can. Awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time as always, Glenn. And yeah, it's been a while. Um, before we dive into spring and, and the 2020 season, uh, quick, quick question for you. I, I'm interested to know what you get up to in the off season. <laughs> you, know, you have a few months, um, so yeah, I do up? a lot of catching up. All the things that I miss with my wife and my children in the season, uh, I try to get to in the off season. You know, baseball is so all-consuming. You mm -hmm. play 162 games over the course of seven, eight months. Uh, it's every day. There's so much travel. 
even when I'm home, I'm not really home and in the house a lot. So uh, you miss dance recitals and sporting events and parent-teacher conferences and things like that. So yeah. when the off-season rolls around, I try to be a little bit selfish with my time and just dedicate everything to my wife and our three children uh, and do all the things that time of year I'm unable to do during the season. So uh, a lot of catching up with the family mostly. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, that's you know sounds like an obvious plan, and it's nice to have a bit of downtime too. Do you, do you follow like do you follow the NFL as well? You know what I follow very closely? I follow college football and college basketball more than professional football or basketball. I went to school at Northwestern University in Chicago, and I'm a very devoted Northwestern Wildcats fan. We've got uh, our oldest child is at the University of Alabama now, and so I've become a big Alabama Crimson Tide fan. And so so I'm so I'm in the off season and get to some games whenever I'm able to and watch and listen to a lot. And it's funny because doing what I do throughout the baseball season, obviously I'm a baseball fan and I follow baseball very closely, but because you're working all the time, it's hard to just kind of let your hair down and be a fan and, and, and scream at the TV the way that the fans do when it comes to baseball for me. So I'm able to do that with college football and basketball in the off season. Yeah, well, I tell you, you, you must have been watching me watching games because I can get I can get the vocals up there for sure. No yeah, doubt. that's who I am during college football and basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially after a few beers on board as well, then it then it starts <laughs> to get a bit crazy. But anyway, um, Glenn, listen, um, we've we've only you know we got a bit of time, and I I think the best place to start really is the Marlins spring train has started. And the Marlins currently sit at three and O. Oh, three and O. Oh. Firstly, do spring does spring training matter? <laughs> from, yeah. a, from a results yeah. perspective, anyway. Wins and losses really don't. And sure, anytime you take the field, you'd rather win than lose. But the bottom line is you're not running your starting nine out there. The other team's not running their starting nine out there. You're not handling your bullpen the way you would. You're not using your starting pitcher deep into games. So, no, in a sense, wins and losses don't really matter. And I'll, I'll ask you this question. What was the Nationals' record in spring training last year? And I know you don't know the answer, and I know I don't know the answer. I know they won the World Series when it was all said and done. So whatever their spring training record was, in a way, is irrelevant. What was the Marlins' spring training record last year? I have no idea, quite honestly. Uh, but I'll say this. When you do look at the games individually, I do think there are important things that happen in spring training games. And uh, what I've been really excited about watching these first three spring training games is seeing so many of the players that we're counting on to be a big part of this team's future show some very encouraging signs. You're talking about Gerard Encarnacion and Monte Harrison, Jazz Chisholm, J.J. Bladé. Uh, we've seen good pitching performances from Alex Vesia, Nick Neidert, and Trevor Rogers so far. Uh, so that's what I get excited about in spring training. And the funny thing is about the three wins that we have so far, all of them have been comeback wins. All of them have come on big innings in the seventh or eighth innings late in the games when it's basically our minor leaguers and our prospects against their minor leaguers and prospects. And the fact that uh, those are the guys who are doing most of the heavy lifting and having success, I think bodes well for the future. Oh, me, me too. That I think you've hit the nail exactly on the head there where – you the the deep innings that we've or the later innings that we've um where we've had comebacks it's it, it just shows the depth now of of the minor league system for the marlins now compared to other teams it's it's really really encouraging i mean this is what we we all bought into right you know a few years ago when this was the plan but it's really come to fruition but of the guys you've seen so far you've already mentioned a few who's who's kind of impressed you most i'm not sure how much you've seen of 
you know, some of these guys before. Yeah, you know, it's really hard to draw too many conclusions from a, a couple of games. But when you see what Monte Harrison did in the first inning against the Mets, for example, in the first spring training game mm. uh, over the weekend, he this is a guy who we've talked about a lot, way too many strikeouts, way too much swing and miss. So in his first at-bat of the spring, he's facing Rick Porcello of the Mets, former Cy Young Award winner with the Red Sox. He falls down in the count 0-2, and you figure, well, he, he's in a tough spot here. He works the count full. He singles to the opposite field, lines from past the second baseman. Then you see the athleticism. He steals second. He steals third. He scores the first run of the spring. Things like that get me excited. Yeah. Uh, so, so Monte Harrison, you, you can check a box there for him as a guy who, who's done some things that really excite you so far. Uh, I was talking on the broadcast about Gerard Encarnacion, who's got tremendous power to all parts of the ballpark. And seconds later, he hit a home run to the opposite field, to right field. You love seeing things like that. Uh, we've seen Jazz Chisholm swing the bat well so far. We've seen him make some good plays at shortstop. We've seen him steal some bases already. That great dynamic talent that we hear about, it's fun to watch it play out on the field at spring training. J.J. Bladé yeah. is swinging the bat very well so far. The number one pick last year. This kid was in college just starting his junior season at Vanderbilt at this time last year, and now he's got some experience in single-A ball in Jupiter after the draft last year, coming into his first big league camp. And a lot of times – when players come into their first camp, they're a little bit wide-eyed and they're just trying to learn their way around and they don't know what to expect and they don't know a lot of the major league players. But here's a guy who's come in in his first camp. He's looked very comfortable. He's just gone out and kind of done his thing. So uh, those are the things you look for to get excited about. And to this point, just about to a man, they've all given us a lot to nibble on and start to get excited about. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, after that first inning, uh, Marlon's Twitter was was going wild and and, and Monty <laughs> Harrison Monty Harrison was was inked in to be the opening day starter in center field. I'm telling you, that's what Twitter was telling me. <laughs> it could happen. Well, though, we'll right? see. A lot of spring training in front of us, but I'll tell you what. At some point before this year is over, I think he will be the starting center fielder. Not sure it'll be on opening day, but I do think he's going to be there at some point. Assuming he stays healthy, uh, I think he's going to be there at some point this year. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I know he obviously got shut down. He, he was injured back end of last year, so. You know, the, I, my feeling was the most likely was he, he'd probably start in AAA and then work his way up. But hey ho, if he absolutely lights it up in in spring training and steals bases like he was like he's doing, then he's got a real shot. I think. I mean, why not? Um, yeah, my initial thought on Monte before spring training started was, and based on some things I had heard and talking to people at the end of last year. I think there was a time where they would have loved to have seen him come in, have a great spring training camp, and force his way into that job as the opening day center fielder. And then somewhere along the line, they made the decision, it looks like, that they want Jonathan VR to begin the year in center field. So uh, it, it looks like you'll see VR in center and Brian Anderson then at third base. And, and we'll see how VR in center field plays out defensively. He's not played there a whole lot. He's most comfortable at second base or shortstop. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, it seems at this point as though they're pretty committed to VR in center field and Anderson at third base to start the year, which likely would mean Monte going to AAA. Or the other possible opportunity for him could be even in right field uh, mm-hmm. if they wanted to try that with him. He, he's such a good defender. He could play anywhere in the outfield. But uh, at this point, I, I think you're probably looking at Garrett Cooper and maybe Matt Joyce platooning out there in right field to make sure those guys both get a lot of at-bats. Yeah, love Plenty of power there in Coop's bat for sure. Um, yep. You know, that's, there's no doubt about that. Were you, were you just on on VR? I, were you surprised that that was the announcement on day one? I, I, it caught me by surprise. I've got to be honest. 
I was a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, he's played some outfield in the past, very little center field. And I know in talking to people with the Brewers, when they had him out there, it just it didn't work. And they decided to cut the experiment short pretty quickly. And I think historically, you've seen the Marlins, and this is going back several years, but when you have a bat, you want to get in the lineup, you just kind of find a position for a guy. And remember, they moved Chris Coglin out to left field several years ago. He had been a second baseman. Logan Morrison had been a first baseman, and, and they didn't have a spot there, but they put him in left field. And defensively, it really didn't work out. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out with VR. You could see him uh, at third base. Uh, you could have seen him at second base potentially to start the year if Isan Diaz didn't have a great spring and they wanted him to start out at AAA. But they really do seem committed to VR in center field right now. So we'll see how it plays out. But the thing that this points to is how much versatility there is with so many of the players that they've brought into this organization the last few years, where you feel great about Brian Anderson at third base or in the outfield, where you feel great about John Birdie anywhere on the field, infield, outfield, defensively. He gives you uh, so many different things with what he can do. Uh, I mentioned Monte Harris could play anywhere in the outfield. A lot of these guys could move around a little bit. So, uh, you have some flexibility, you have some versatility, and I think early on you're kind of trying to get a feel for who you have and what you have and what things look like and how they fit together. So, uh, you know, whatever it looks like on opening day doesn't guarantee you that's what it's going to look like on May 1st or on September 1st, but uh, it seems as though they're pretty committed to starting with VR in center field. Yeah, interesting. interesting to see how that plays out. And I don't think he's actually played in center field in the first three games either. Like, I think he's been DHing, so... Um, That's right. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is they're probably working really hard with him on the backfields, making sure he's as comfortable as he can be. And yeah. when they feel like they've gotten to that point, then you start running him out there in games. But you don't want him to to struggle early on and, and dig a little hole for himself mentally. So I think there's a lot of backfield work going on with VR in center field right now. Yeah, makes sense. Have you have you managed to speak, spend much time with the with many of the new guys? Some of them. Uh, Francisco Cervelli is a great guy to talk to. He's going to be a fun guy to have around both on and off the field. Uh, talk with Matt Kemp a little bit, talk with Matt Joyce and, and Corey Dickerson a little bit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it's been fun beginning to get to know some of these guys and, uh, they bring a, a whole new energy. There is a great energy overall, 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 overall. Uh, I know, in your conversation with Miguel Rojas, he talked about that and he and Don Mattingly and Michael Hill and many have talked about the fact that there's a realization that we need to take a dramatic step forward this year in terms of winning and losing games. And, and I think everybody is on board with that. And when you look at the new guys they've brought in, uh, it's great to have veteran leader type guys like Curtis Granderson was last year, like Neil Walker was last year, like several of the players they've brought in over recent years have been. But these are guys who are really in the primes of their career still and are going to make major contributions on the field. And it's great that they've been around. It's great that they can kind of lead the way for some of the younger players. But at the end of the day, Jonathan VR is here to help this team win games. And Jesus Aguilar and Corey Dickerson and Matt Joyce and Cervelli and, and Brandon Kinsler and Yimi Garcia, you go down the list. These new players they brought in are here to help this team win baseball games. And that's going to be priority number one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's going to be an exciting few weeks let from a roster perspective seeing how things shake out like like you said miggy the thing i took away uh, from a uh, for the next few weeks is the competitiveness like every every spot is competitive and 
You know, it's it's going to be really interesting. From looking at that, who who do you think has most on the line? You know, who's who's got the most on the line for them in spring? Like, who needs to perform? Uh, I I don't know if you could highlight one or two or not, but you know, there's it's going to be competitive all over the uh, all over the place. But is there anyone you think that that has most pressure? Let's say. Yeah, I'll give you three names, and I'm not sure that the pressure is necessarily the word, but I'll give you three guys that I'm watching closely this spring. The first is Isan Diaz, who mm-hmm. we all know absolutely tore it up in AAA last year, had a huge year, came up, and he really struggled in his first taste of the major leagues. He was up on August 5th through the end of the season. It wasn't like he was in and out of the lineup. They really stuck with him. They committed to him and kept running him out there day after day. But he hit 173. He struggled. He made nine errors. He looked a little shaky at second base, although six of them were in, I think, a five-game span, and then only made three errors after that. Uh, So to me, Isan really needs to come out and have a good spring, not just to earn a spot, but I think from a psychological standpoint, to know going into opening day that he's able to have success at this level and he can be a key contributor to this team. Now, what I'll say on Isan is if you go back and look at his starts last year, most of them – we're either hitting first, second, or third in the batting order. A lot of them in the number two hole. And that's a lot of pressure for a young player just getting his feet wet in the major leagues. Now, when you've added all these other players with a lot of veteran experience, guys who succeeded the big leagues, this lineup's now a lot deeper, a lot longer. And Isan probably hit seventh or eighth on this team this year. He doesn't have the pressure of having to be at the top of the batting order. So I think that'll help him out. The analogy that I've drawn with Isan, and there's no guarantee it plays out this way, but something in my own experience, I was with the Boston Red Sox back in 2006 when they brought up a hotshot second-base prospect, a kid named Dustin Pedroia, in August of that year. Pedroia had been a second-round pick, and they put up great numbers in the minor leagues, and they ran Pedroia out there from early August through the end of the season, and he really struggled. It was not a good first cup of coffee in the major leagues for Dustin Pedroia. And a lot of Red Sox fans were really concerned when we went into the next year, 2007, with the assumption that Pedroia was going to be the opening day second baseman. Well, Pedroia came in in unbelievable shape the next year, wound up being the rookie of the year in 2007, wound up helping lead that team to World Series championship. The next year in 2008, he was the American League's MVP. So it would be nice to see Isan follow that Dustin mm-hmm. Pedroia path. There's no guarantee he will, but, but it's a situation similar to the one that I experienced with Pedroia back in 07 and 08, and, or 06 and 07, and hopefully we see something like that for Isan. The other two names, your guy Lewis Brinson, obviously he's got an option left, so they could send him to AAA if he doesn't force his way onto the ball club. He was the opening day center fielder the last two years. Everybody knows it has not gone well. Great guy. Everybody loves him. Hard worker. Uh We'll see how things play out for Lewis, but this is really the last opportunity for Brinson this year. You'd have to think with the Marlins. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third guy on the pitching staff is Adam Conley, who has been here longer than anybody in the team right now, going back to 2015, coming off back-to-back really rough years in the bullpen, a guy with a huge arm, tremendous stuff. There aren't many lefty relievers in baseball who are harder than Adam Conley, but he's had a really hard time putting it together. And with all the bullpen depth they've accumulated, all the arms they've brought in, all the arms that are in the minor leagues now knocking on the door. Adam Conley, I think, has a lot to prove in spring training this year and in the early part of this season. Yeah, well, he's got the long hair back as well, so that that helps, I think. He, Let's go if it helps. Whatever yeah. it takes. Exactly, you know, it's all minor adjustments. And Lewis has changed his number, so he's making a change. Whatever um, it takes. New day. You know, there you go. It's, you know, it's fine margins in baseball at times, so... 
you know. <laughs> Good. I, I, I appreciate that, Glenn. Those, you know, they're the three names that I've got, you know, front and center in my mind as well, that they've, mm-hmm. they've got to have a big spring for various reasons. So, you know, and, and I'm fans of all of them and want them to do well. And, you know, we'll, we'll be hoping that they do. So let's, you know, spring comes and goes. The Marlins end up with a winning record, but it, it doesn't matter. But actually you have, you know, a solid spring from everyone. And we go into the 2020 season. What, in your opinion, I guess from a, actually when you break it down to a wins and loss perspective, what does good actually look like for the Marlins this year? From you know, it's an interesting question because this team should be on paper a lot better than the team that went 57 and 105 last year. Mm. Uh, but what does that mean? You know, if you say, okay, can they get to 70 wins? 70 and 92 is not a record that uh, has you doing cartwheels down the street. But to think about a team going from one year to the next, winning 13 more games, there are only, I think, three or four teams in all of baseball that jumped 13 wins from 2018 to 2019. That's not something you do every night. Uh, is that realistic to gain 13 wins and get to 70 wins this year? Uh, you'd like to think it is because of the talent that's been brought in and the growth you anticipate from some of the players coming back, the, the Brian Andersons, the Sandy Alcantara's, and the Caleb Smiths, and keeping people healthy, things like that. You'd like to think you can get to 70 wins, 71 wins, 72 wins. The big problem, and I know you've talked about this, is the National League East is a high-rent district. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was the best division in baseball last year. The best team in the division over 162 was the Braves. They were really, really good. Then the Nationals proved to be the best team in baseball when they won the World Series. Uh, both of those teams aren't going away. The Phillies have added some talent. They've got a new manager this year. The Mets I think they're going to be really good again this year. And you play 76 games out of the 162 against those four teams. So what yeah. the Marlins are going to need to do is they're going to need to start by playing a lot better against those teams. And that doesn't mean you're going to go 12-7 and seven or 13-6 and six against all those teams. But they can't go four and fifteen against the Braves and Nationals like they did last year. They can't go no. six and thirteen against the Mets like they did last year. They handled the Phillies pretty well. But for me, it starts by playing better within the division against those teams, and uh, finding a way to win some of the games that got away from them last year. Either late inning bullpen meltdowns, and mm-hmm. you'd like to think your bullpen's going to be much better than last year's, which is one of the worst in baseball. And then being able to score some more runs. How many one run games did this team lose last year? How many? Two to one games or three to two games they lose last year because offensively it seemed like they always needed four singles to score a run. You couldn't sit back and wait for somebody to hit a three run home run and change a game with one swing. Now you add VR, you add Aguilar, you add Dickerson. You got guys who can do that. Hopefully, a full season of healthy Brian Anderson, he could hit 25 or 30 home runs for you. So, this team's bullpen ought to be much better. The lineup ought to be much better. You look for growth in the rotation. I, I would love to see this team get up over 70 wins somewhere. Uh, to me, next year, 2021, you're looking to be right around 500. And, and I know it seems like it's way off in the distance, and you hate to keep pushing it back. But for me, realistically, when you think about getting young players to the major leagues and getting them established over that hump where they're just trying to stay there, but where they know they belong and they can succeed – to me, 2022 is the year you look at as really going into spring training, expecting to have a legit chance to play in the playoffs. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah, by that time, wow, we, we must have done about 200 podcasts by then. So we'll be, <laughs> <laughs> we'd have done the miles on We that all do our sure. part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I suggested to Craig Mish last week that 
in my opinion, the Marlins will have their internal expectations that that their wins number will start with a seven. And um, Craig, I, I think, said, listen, I, I think that will be hard to achieve. They may have that, you know, they may have that aspiration, but he kind of went through and went, listen, we've added this player, this player, this player, did the maths and came up with, I don't know, maybe 65, 66 wins. So, you know, maybe 70 is overdoing it. Um, yeah, <laughs> we've got I, I don't think 70 is overdoing it. I, I really don't. Uh, to me, somewhere in the low 70s ought to be realistic. And to me, it would be disappointing if that number started with a six. Uh, I, I can't tell you I see 79 wins, but to me, 70, 71, 72 ought to be realistic and again there are a lot of challenges and you got to stay healthy and you need people to continue to grow and you need these newcomers to come in and be productive but uh i don't think 70 to 72 wins is outrageous Uh, i'm not guaranteeing it or saying it's going to be easy but quite honestly to me 69 and 93 would be disappointing from where i come from yeah 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 i i'd like it to start with a seven for sure and i think the one thing you touched upon earlier We've we focused a lot of time on the the lineup, and it's easy to make comparisons in the lineup and go, well, we've added this player, this player, this player, and you know they bring with them different attributes and particularly power. Um, but one thing that you touched upon earlier that is, I guess, a little bit overlooked at the moment is the bullpen because the bullpen was really bad last year. And I look at how it's been constructed this year, and to me, it's looking it's looking a lot better. I mean, they can, you know, they obviously, there's a lot of flux in relievers and, you know, it can be up and down. But you, you see the bullpen as a major improvement area as well, Glenn? I hope so. And you make a great point. A lot of flux in relievers. There's no position on the field where you see production more erratic from one year to the next than mm-hmm. in bullpen and, and setup men and even closers. And uh, you just really don't know from one year to the next. But you're right. The bullpen was a huge issue for this team last year. If you go back and look at the nine pitchers who appeared in the most games for the Marlins in 2009 or 2019, eight of the nine are gone. Only yeah. Adam Conley is left among the nine pitchers who pitched the most in that bullpen last year. So uh, they're going to have to be a-, a lot better, but there's reason to believe with Brandon Kinsler on the back end, with Yimi Garcia in there. Uh, they- they've added uh, the Rule 5 pitcher. Sterling Sharp, they've added Stephen Tarpley, lefty from the Yankees organization. Uh, you got some of the young arms that are that are working their way up. Uh, there's a lot of reason to believe it is going to be better out there this year. And it needs to be because, for me, there are a couple of things that bullpens do that cost you. And I think fans only look at blown saves, letting leads get away late in games. But here's another thing where I think the Marlins have really been plagued in recent years by their bullpen. Sometimes you go to the seventh inning and you're trailing three to two or you're trailing four to two, uh, you're down a run or two, and you go to the bullpen after a good start, and the bullpen melts down, and all of a sudden, instead of three to two, it's six to two. And if you're down three to two, you got a shot to come back. When it's six to two, all of a sudden, the bullpen didn't blow the save, but they basically removed any chance you had of coming back late and winning that ball game. So uh, with a deeper, longer, stronger bullpen, hopefully you can keep games close late, give your bats a chance to win those games, uh, and when you do have the lead going into latter innings, Kinsler's the guy who's shown he can be a very successful big league closer. He was an all-star in Minnesota not that long ago. So uh, pitched a lot of high leverage innings in the big leagues for some good teams in recent years. So uh, this bullpen ought to be a lot better. And I think sometimes you undersell 
the importance of what a bullpen can mean over the course of 162, and particularly with a young starting rotation where you're not going to have starters going seven, eight innings night in and night out. You need that bullpen to come up big. Hopefully this year's bullpen's positioned to be a lot better than last year's. Yeah, I agree. All right, Glenn, last last question for you, and I'll, I'll ask this of, of all the guys as well um, in advance of the season. Who, who are we taking, who are you taking as the Marlins MVP for 2020? Not of the league. Um, not going that far, but who's going to be the Marlins MVP in 2020? That's a very interesting question. I, mm-hmm. I have three guys who come to mind immediately, one returnee and two newcomers. Uh, the returnee is Brian Anderson, who I really feel like if he can stay healthy and play 155, 160 games, has a chance to be a real impactful player. Uh, he was well on his way to hitting 25 home runs last year before the broken hand late in the year. Uh, if he's out there every day, I just think with more experience, more confidence, he's going to continue to get better and better. And he was a team MVP last year, even though he missed the last uh, six weeks of the season or so. Uh, so I, I think he's a guy who you look to have a really big year. And then of the newcomers, I think Jonathan VR can be a real spark plug for this team offensively. We saw it just yesterday in the first inning in, in the Marlins spring training game against the Cardinals where uh, – he reached base leading off the first inning, stole second base. He drew a walk, then he stole second base. And just the threat of his speed had a pitcher trying a pickoff attempt at second base. He threw the ball into center field. VR goes to third. The center fielder overruns the backup, and VR scores. So walk, stolen base, and a couple of errors, all created by him, gets your run. He's got a chance to be a really impactful player out of the leadoff position for the Marlins this year. He's got that speed, and he had 24 home runs for the Orioles last year. So not yeah. a lot of leadoff men give you that kind of pop. So I think VR is a guy who, at any number of positions on the field, could be a hugely impactful player for this team. And Corey Dickerson is a guy who I think a lot of people kind of sleep on. If you mm-hmm. go back and look at his career, this is a guy who perennially hits right around 300. He's had several seasons with 20-plus home runs. Uh, he's a very good defender in the outfield. And he's also a guy who I get to feel like and listen to him a little bit is really just beginning to come into his own as a player where he's figured some things out about himself, about his body, uh, about – he talks about kinetic control and how everything is connected at the plate from your, your toes all the way up you know, to your neck and your head. Uh, I think he's a very interesting guy who, who's into the science of why things work and why things don't work mechanically. And I think he's ready to have a real breakout in a situation where he's always been a very complimentary player on teams in which he's appeared in the past. Here, I think they're going to look for him to be a much more significant part of this offense, more of a leader on the field. And I think he's guy ready to do that. He could break out and have a really big year here. Yeah, I, you, you, it's so true what you've said there about Dickerson. He's he's definitely been kind of flying under the radar a bit, even you know, with the new guys the Marlins have brought in, even though they've yep. paid him, you know, a ton of money. And, and they gave him that, two years. He's, he's the only guy they gave exactly. two years to, which shows you they really think that he's part of the solution. The yeah. other players they brought in are guys who are going to contribute right now, but they're not going to block anybody's path in getting the prospects to the major leagues. They gave Dickerson two years, and that's significant. I think it shows you how much they really believe he can be a part of the long-term success here. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Glenn? We're we're just out about a time now, so um, I'll we'll have to we'll have to let you go. Um, thanks so much for finding the time to talk. It's it's awesome to to speak again, and um, I really appreciate all the the support you you give to us on on the podcast. It's it's really appreciated, and um, you know we'll 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 look to hook back in. Um, you know as season gets underway, we'll 
you know, we'll, we'll let the first couple of weeks pass by. And uh, I know you'll be crazy busy then, but you know, hopefully we'll find some time, um, you know, April time, let's say. And, um, you know, we'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Happy to do it anytime, Peter. Again, I love what you guys are doing. It's tremendous. You know your stuff, and uh, I love listening every week. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Glenn.